Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. Some of God's most beautiful miracles and greatest work is especially evident in the aftermath of our darkest and most painful experiences. After the dark days of the crucifixion of Jesus, light breaks forth in His resurrection. After hurt is healing, after brokenness is mending, after death is life. Through this series, we are learning to pay attention to how God is moving and growing our faith in and for the aftermath. Well, I have to say that might be one of the best worship sets that we've done in a really long time time. That group of songs that we just sang together is some of my new favorites and old favorites. How do you not love it as well? It is one of the most beautiful hymns ever penned. And every time that I'm in a space where we are led in worship in that song, in my whole life, I've heard it from the time I was in church as a little kid to this moment, it stirs something in my spirit. And the main reason why is because I know the story behind it, that there is a story behind that hymn that is deep and meaningful, and maybe you didn't grow up in church and and maybe you've never heard it, but I don't have time to get into all the details, but it was written by a man that was in a season where pain should have been much more prevalent than peace. He He had just lost his family. The people that he loved most were Taken from, taken from him in the most tragic of circumstances. And somehow he was able to sit and God inspired him to write that beautiful hymn. And in the moment when his world was crumbling around him, he wrote, it is well. That in life's craziest storms, in the afterlife, in the aftermath, of life's most painful moment. He found God in a unique and special way and he wrote that hymn. And I know that right now, like we're in this season and it's hard to figure out how we can have peace because we're in a season of pandemic and pressure. And there's a lot of things happening around our lives. And it's like, how do we have peace in a pandemic? How in the aftermath of all the things that we're experiencing right now, how, how do we have that kind of peace? And it's a peace that scripture calls the, a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that you can only find in God. But I know right now that your life is probably anything but peaceful. And if you're like me, you're having a lot of real honest conversations. If at some point in this last month and a half, you haven't had a conversation about your fears you need to. There's something therapeutic and and cathartic about it. There's something special about just having a space where you can have a conversation about what concerns you. And don't give me that stuff, oh man, I have faith in God, I have no fears. We learned in our Courageous series that even faithful people have moments of fear, right? And maybe you don't have fears, but you have concerns, and that's just a fancy way to say that, that, that you're afraid. But over the last few weeks, I've been thinking about 
my biggest concerns in this season. And what I am most concerned about has been evolving over time. And so can, can, I, can I be honest with you for a moment today about the things that I'm most concerned about right now? And remember, when, when I'm preaching in a way, if you're new to Vintage Church and maybe you're just getting used to our experience, when you hear me say something that maybe pushes you the most or is most offensive to you, it's the moment that I'm preaching most to myself. And one of the things I'm fearful of is that the longer this lingers, the lazier we will become. I know that's not fun to hear, but the longer this season lingers, the easier it is to get lazy, isn't it? To lose the motivation like we've been talking about. That, that we're just, we're having a hard time continuing to stay we, in, the, in, the, in the things that are keeping us spiritually healthy. That when this first started, oh, church online was great because I can watch it anytime I want to. Now church online is awful because every time I try to watch it, my three-year-old is screaming at me that they need something to eat. And so it's just, it's easier to kind of get out of that routine. And I'm worried that the longer this lingers, that in our laziness, and I hate to describe it like that, but that's kind of how I have to label it, will cause us to disengage from the disciplines that we need in order to continue to stay emotionally and spiritually and physically healthy. And so I know you're gonna have to work harder to engage in these online experiences. You're gonna have to work harder to do those things. And so can I just, the enemy wants you to get lazy, to stop being disciplined in the things that you need to stay spiritually, physically, and emotionally healthy. But the thing I'm most concerned about is that in the aftermath nothing will be different. My biggest fear, and I know this seems really weird, my biggest fear is that when this is all over, nothing will have changed. That, the, the, the thing I hear said the, the most in this season is I can't wait for us to get back to normal. And now there's a part of me that desires nothing more than to go back to the way things were before, but there's a part of me that is so concerned that we will go back to the way things were before. Does that make any sense? That I, I, I want normal. I want to sit down in a restaurant. I want to take my family to the movies. I want to get back to a normal routine. I'm a rhythmic routine kind of person. So my, I have the strong desire to get back to the way things were before, but I also have a deep fear that will go back to the way things were before. And the reason why I'm worried about that is because if everything goes back to the way it was, then this season will be wasted. Let's not go through this for nothing. There are things that need to be different in the aftermath. There are things that God is trying to teach us now that we need to carry with us to the other side. There are lessons that we are learning 
that need to last. And what my, my concern is, is that we're, we're so consumed by what's happening in it that we're not focusing on what we can learn from it. You with me? Because what I'm, I'm asking myself some questions over the last few weeks. Like, everything is different, but has anything changed? That might seem like a really weird question. Everything is different, but has, but has anything changed? Because y- y- you do know that things can be different and nothing change. Or have we modified our schedules but not adjusted our priorities? That we all talk a, a good game about how important our marriages are, our kids are, that family time is. And now, because we've been forced to slow down and spend some extra time with our families, we love it. But now, when this all changes, will we have spent more time with our family because it was forced or because we value that part of our lives? That in our hurry to get through the aftermath, we just buckle down, dig in our heels, and just wait it out. And can I just say, like, that's, that's the worst. The, the most tragic thing may not be what happens in it, but what we fail to learn from it. That the most tragic thing that could come out of this crazy quarantine COVID season may not be what happens in it, but what we, we fail to learn from it. That we are so consumed with why we are here that while we are here, we're not leaning into God in the way that we could so that he could leverage this season in our lives. We, we titled this series, The Aftermath, and it's built on a principle that we deeply believe that in the aftermath of life's most painful moments, God does his most beautiful miracles. But can I alter that a little bit? I think I need to, I need to modify that phrase just a touch. I need to change it to, in the aftermath of life's most painful moments, there is the potential for God to do his most beautiful miracles. There is the potential for God to do his most beautiful miracles. That, you know, in the, in the aftermath, there is something that God's trying to do in us so that on the other side of it that we see the miracle. But I'm worried that a lot of us are gonna miss out on the miracle because we have gotten complacent in the aftermath. Because another thing that I know to be true about my life is in the aftermath of my most painful moments is when I've learned my most valuable lessons. And I think like God's trying to teach us something in this. And have we gotten so consumed with Facebook conspiracy theories and engaging in ridiculous, unwinnable arguments and wallowing in our frustration over what is happening that 
our hearts have gotten hard and our minds have gotten closed and we're not really leaning into the voice of God in a way that, that is really gonna produce the fruit in our lives that need to happen on the other side. Like I, I told you a few weeks ago, I believe that if we do this right, what God will do in the aftermath of the current season we're in will be so much greater than I think any of us can understand. The, the spiritual fruit, the number of people that are, that are turning to Jesus, the more people that are longing for church, like there is potential for this to produce something amazing. But the key word is, potential. And my biggest fear is what we have learned will not linger. Or my, my biggest fear is that we will learn nothing. The next biggest fear is what we have been taught will be temporary. That for a season we'll, we'll realize how valuable rest is. For a season we'll realize how important it is that we will have conversations with our spouses that in this season we will, but then we will get back to busyness as usual. You heard me right, <laughs> not, not business as usual, busyness as usual, because y'all, this is, this is eventually gonna end. I know it doesn't feel like it. We will get back to some version, like, well, there'll be some things that are, that are never the same, probably so, but we will get back to our lives, we will get back to our jobs, we will get back to our sports, we will get back to our restaurants, We'll get back to all the things that we enjoy. And before you know it, the, my fear is the further we get from the aftermath, the more distance will be created between the lessons that God learned, that God tried to teach us and that we learned in that moment. And we'll just abandon all the things that God wants to teach us in this season. And you do know that, that God's always trying to teach you and I something. God wastes nothing. As painful as this season, God has a, has a purpose in every pain. That they're, they're, God is constantly trying to, to teach us. God never stops sowing seeds in our lives. God has a seed in every season. Something that he's trying to sow in the soil of your soul that will produce fruit in the aftermath. And in this season, he, we said, we all agreed that in the aftermath is when our God is most active, right? Well, God has been actively sowing seeds in your life. Man, I don't know in this quarantine season, I don't know that I've had more spiritual conversations in the last six weeks than I have in the last six years that I even personally have been more engaged in God's word because you know, he is our refuge, he is our fortress, he is our strong tower. And in these seasons, like I, like you, the pressure has pushed me into prayer and leaning into God like never before. And God is trying to sow seeds in this season in the soil of our soul. But the question is, will it produce fruit? That just because the seed is being sown doesn't mean it will produce anything. You know how I know that? Jesus taught about this very thing. He reminded us through a really powerful parable that he is constantly sowing seeds in the lives of his people with the hopes that those seeds produce something. 
But what, what is retained in this season is not dependent on the amount of seed, it's the condition of the soil. That Jesus would teach us that what will be produced in our lives is not about the seed, it's about the soil. That he has promised the seed, but we have to prepare the soil. And my concern is that in this season, the seed that God is trying to sow in our lives so that in the aftermath, something really beautiful is produced, that it'll never happen because we let our soil, the soil of our soul, not be ready to receive the seed he's trying to sow in this season. Grab your Bible, pull it up on the app, however you wanna access the word of God. Go with me, because I wanna just walk you through this parable. Mark chapter four, we'll start with verse one. Mark four, verse one says this. It says, and again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they weathered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. But still other seed fell on soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears, let him hear. Now Jesus would often teach in parables like this. See, when, when, when Jesus would, would sow a seed, there would be times that we would have to do some work to understand what it was about. And if you keep reading, the, the disciples are like, Jesus, why do, you, why do you teach in parables? Now God is never confusing but he is often complex. And sometimes he sows seeds in our heart that we have to work to try to understand and comprehend and and allow to seep deep into the soil of our soul. But Jesus does something here that he very rarely does because I think he's trying to teach us something that, that this parable and understanding it is the key to understanding any other parable that he's ever going to teach. And he unpacks this parable for us, that that every part of this parable has meaning. Verse 14, he says, the farmer sows the word. That there are three really key elements, the farmer, the seed, and the soil. And understanding what each represent is key to, to breaking down what God is trying to teach us in this season and in any season. The soil is your soul, your heart, your mind. The word is Jesus himself and any word that comes from God. That there is a seed, a word from God that he's trying to drop in the soil of your soul so that it can produce the fruit in your life that he desires. But now one of the things that we have to understand is 
Yeah, the, the, the soil is our soul. The word is the seed that God puts in our heart. But the farmer comes in many forms. That God uses many farmers in many forms to sow seed into our lives. That God brings us a word from him in different people, in different places, in different seasons, in different ways. And one of the reasons why so many of us miss out on the seed is because it comes in the form of a farmer that we never expected. See, if you don't expect God to sow a seed in your life in a farmer of that form, it's really easy to miss it, to not understand it. That like sometimes that farmer that's sowing the seed in your heart, yeah, ultimately it's God, but God comes through the form of a farmer of, sometimes it's, it's the conversation with the person you never thought could speak something into your life. Sometimes it's through an experience that you never saw coming. Sometimes it's through a conversation with your kids or it's in the pages of a book or in the lyric of a song like God uses different for farmers in many forms to sow a seed in your life. And so often we miss the seed that God has in this season because it comes in the form of a farmer we didn't expect. So God is constantly sowing seeds. He's constantly scattering his word in our lives. But he says this his word, it falls on different types of soil. Mark chapter four, verse 15. So some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Like there is a, a certain group of people that God sows that seed on your soil and before it can even get down into the soil and have any potential to produce any fruit, we have an enemy that wants to come and snatch it from the surface because he is so afraid of the fruit that that word would produce in your life. That the enemy knows that if the word of God gets deep into our hearts in such a way that it begins to transform us, the weapon that we become against him is more than he can handle. And so if he can snatch that seed before it ever gets below the surface, he can keep you from transforming into who God created you to be and you can no longer be useful and produce the fruit that God desires in your life. So he wants to snatch it. And right now, I think that's, that's happening a lot, that God's sowing the seed in the soil of the souls of so many people. And because we're in this really weird time, the enemy's creeping in and using all kinds of tricks to get you to let him take that seed away. Don't let him snatch your seed. That word that God's trying to put in your heart that could transform you. He'll try to confuse you, create doubt around you, distract you. He talks about other kinds of soil. Mark 14, pick up with verse 16. He said, Other, others like seeds sown on rocky places, they hear the word and at once receive it with joy. 
but since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. That yeah, there's, there's some seed that falls on the surface and Satan snatches it and tosses it aside before it can ever get down deep and produce anything. He said, but there's some that it falls on rocky places and no, it's not snatched from the seed by the snatched from the surface by the enemy. It's just tossed aside by the one who at one point received it. That we're willing to toss the seed when, when following it is uncomfortable. That God speaks a word into our, our lives and we're not confused about it. We know it, we see it. We understand it, we receive it. But when following through on that word, staying commitment, committed to what he has asked of us gets a little bit too uncomfortable or a little bit too difficult or a little bit too expensive, we just dismiss it and start, stop walking the path of obedience. Because sometimes God sows a seed in our soil that's challenging. I think we're in a season right now with some of the things God's teaching us, some of the things that God is revealing about us is hard. And to follow through, to stay true and obedient to the word that we're here, the direction that he's put in our lives. Some of us, God's saying, you know what? You didn't have it together like you thought you did. You know what? Your family had not been a priority for years and maybe you need to learn that now and just come into terms with that and knowing the sacrifices that you're gonna have to make in the aftermath of all this to continue to make them a priority is more than you feel like you can or are willing to give. And when things come back to normal, the enemy won't snatch your seed. You yourself will toss it to the side and go back to your old ways. Verse 18, still others like seed sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in, choke the word, making it unfruitful. That there's another type of seed that's sown on a soil that just won't allow it to have room to grow that we allow the other things that are competing for our attention choke out the voice of God. That the temptation to continue to chase something other than what God desires for us is so much that we fall more in love with that thing than the thing that God desires for us. And there's no room for it to grow. But there's a soil that God's looking for, a place to sow the seed of his word that will produce fruit in the aftermath that has the potential to change things. Verse 20, others like seeds sown on good soil, they hear the word, accept it and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. That God's looking for people who have the kind of soil that when he 
sows a seed in it, they let it stay. They let it get under the surface. They give it the time to do what it needs to do in order to produce the fruit that God desires so that things can actually be different. And see, my fear is that in this season, the seed that God's trying to sow so that he can do that miracle that we've been talking about, that in the aftermath of life's most painful moment, God does his most beautiful miracle that only happens if we allow the seed he is sowing to stay in the soil and produce what he desires. Now, I don't know a whole lot about gardening or agriculture or any of those kinds of things. But I know soil when I see it, and I know seed when I see it. And God says, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to sow some seed. That I'm constantly scattering seed into the soil of your soul. That there's things I'm trying to do in your life. And I'm constantly at every turn, in every moment, through every online church experience, in the conversations with your family, even at work, and when you're listening to the radio, and as you're going down the street, and as you're praying, I'm sowing this seed in your soil with the hopes that it will, it will take root and bloom and produce something beautiful. But he says sometimes, like there, the enemy wants to come before it ever gets down. He wants to come and snatch it. Snatch it from the surface before it ever gets down deep enough to produce anything of value. That some soil, that, that it's, just, it's just too much. And when it gets hard, no, the enemy doesn't snatch it. But what you do is you make the decision, no, nah, I'm not gonna do that anymore. That I could do that in quarantine because I had time, but now I'm back to work and my life is busy again. And I toss it. And the beautiful thing that God could have done in the aftermath gets lost because what we were taught was temporary. The lessons learned did not last. And the aftermath doesn't look anything like it could have. But what if we did what was necessary to be the good soil so that in the aftermath, there was fruit. There was beautiful things that bloomed and produced. And the last few days I've been thinking, what does good soil look like? And this is kind of what I learned. You can't go from this to this overnight. And there's no way to go from seed to sunflower without time in the soil. And the one thing that is distinguished 
between the good soil and all the others that Jesus mentions. See, all the ones that Jesus mentioned, they don't stay in the soil long enough. The ones that produce fruit, the ones that go from seed to sunflower are the ones that are allowed to stay in the soil. And my fear is that this will end and the seed that was sown, we won't allow to stay in the soil because the enemy just comes and robs us because we just get too worried that it's gonna be too hard because we get our lives so full of other things that it gets choked out. And the frustrating part is Sometimes we don't know how long it will take to go from seed to sunflower. How long will it take to go from here to here? And it takes a lot of work that, that for, for seed to go to sunflower, you have to, you have to do some work. You have to water and weed and wait. Again, I don't, I don't know anything about agriculture or gardening, but I know for, for, for something to go from seed to sunflower, you have to water it. You have to take care of it. You have to pay attention. You have to work. And you have to wait and be patient. And then there's weeds that grow in and tend to choke it out. Do You see, that's reflected in all those. See, it, if you don't water the soil and it doesn't become what it needs to to keep it. See, when you, if you ever drop a, a seed on hard soil, it can't get down in the surface and the enemy can snatch it. And when weeds grow in it, it chokes it out and it, and it keeps it from having the ability to bloom and produce what was intended. So how do you go from seed to sunflower? You let the seed stay in the soil and know that even when you don't see anything in the surface, there's still something happening below. That in the aftermath of life's most painful moments, there is the potential for God to do his most beautiful miracles. That there is fruit that God wants to produce on the other side. And there is seed he is sowing in this season. And the only way it's going to produce fruit in your life, the only way it's going to go from seed to sunflower as if you have the courage to let it stay in the soil. Father, I pray that you would help us to not get so consumed by what's happening around us that we're not paying attention to what you wanna do in us. That the greatest tragedy could not maybe be what happens in this, but what we fail to learn from this, that you have a specific seed for every season. And God, there are seeds you are sowing in the soil of our souls in hopes that the fruit produced in the aftermath will change everything. God, help us to have the courage and the patience to let that seed stay in the soil and produce what you desire. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. 
Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.